Today's episode is brought to you by Artistic Artifacts. Artistic Artifacts specializes in creative finds for creative minds. Shop a wide variety of fabrics, Bernina sewing machines, and products, plus the tools and techniques to enjoy a full range of fiber arts and mixed media. Visit Artistic Artifacts in Alexandria, Virginia, or shop securely online at artisticartifacts.com. Thank you so much, Artistic Artifacts. Welcome to episode 258 of the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals where you can strengthen your creative business, stay up to date on industry news, and build connections within our supportive trade association. Check it out at craftindustryalliance.org. Today on the show, we're talking about building a knitting business with my guest, Willie Smith. Willie discovered knitting in 2007. He believes he's been given a gift to entertain while teaching, and his purpose is to spend his life enriching other people's lives. Knitting is the vehicle he is using to achieve that end. Willie's vision is for makers to get closer to making exactly what they want through the acquisition of a skill set. Willie is the owner of WNK, and he aims for that brand to soon be a household name. So Willie Smith, welcome. Thank you so much. It is great to have you. I am super excited to learn more about you, and you have such a enthusiasm and gift for teaching that I really admire, so I'm very excited to have you on the show. Um, so let's start at the beginning. Where did you grow up, and what were you like as a kid? Oh, goodness. Let's do it. Well, I grew up in a small town called Banning, California, um, back in 1986, born and raised there. Um, it's a very small town off I-10, Southern California, about 45 minutes east um, from LA and about 30 minutes west from Palm Springs. So it just gives you like the geography, you know, since I said it so much, uh, where are you from? Like between these places. And they're like, oh, perfect. I know where that is. <laughs> I know where Palm Springs is. Um, like growing up as a kid, you know, um, just um, staying on like, you know, the east side of like a certain um, street in most of my life um, wasn't the the greatest, but, you know, we, we may do what we had. You know, um, I have two brothers um, on my mom's side and um, a few siblings on my dad's side as well. You know, single parent household, you know, the whole nine um, school was everything to me. Um, education was everything to me. Um, being around school and sports and competitive play like that was where I thrived and I knew I could do something with either one of them um and use them as tools to you know make my way and um I always told myself that like education and sports was my ticket out and it was so um I was able to get those use those skills and you know being a scholar athlete and you know having the good grades a 4.0 GPA and you know playing sports all year round you know you get a lot of looks and you know you get a lot of opportunities thrown your way and I was fortunate enough to get right out of high school and go straight to college there was no break got out and 
June and I was in another classroom in University of Redlands in September 2005. So um, I knew that was just the way for me because, you know, any kind of like lag time and other people can have like lag time and like break years and things like that. I just knew for me it wasn't going to be one of those things. And that's why I took the path that I took, you know, definitely blessed to have gotten through all four years of college um, straight on through no breaks and um, got my my bachelor's degree in race and ethnic studies. Oh, nice. So like a type of sociology because um, I wanted to go around and do the teaching route another way, you know, not like the regular like routine way of doing all of this stuff because I did liberal arts at, at the University of Redlands for um, a little while and I realized that they never see the light of day. Um, or it was like really, really light, um, really dark outside. Or like I started as an actual biochemistry. That was a mistake. Um, <laughs> biochemistry seems pretty far away from uh, yeah where you landed. I was very, very ambitious, you know, um, science. And they were like lab rats. They'd never seen the light of day. And that, yeah. that's just how I wanted to be with it. But, you know, I found my way in sociology and uh, learning about how people in their cultures built their perspective on the world. And for me being a teacher, I, my approach was if I knew how their culture viewed education, I would have a better understanding on what they valued in receiving the education because teaching is teaching. But if you're teaching someone things that may not matter to them in their life or their culture, then you're missing the point because education has its place in every realm of life, but it's your job to figure out where it matters in their life. So that's my, that was my approach to teaching. That's wonderful. As a former teacher myself, I fully appreciate and admire that. And do you think of yourself having always been a teacher? I feel like it's sort of part of your personality to be a teacher, but can you identify times when you felt like you were a teacher, even, you know, before you had any formal training or anything like that, when you were just, you know, growing up or just feeling like you were good at this, you know, just from the get-go? Well, you know, starting in like, you know, sixth grade and, um, you know, being like a peer mediator, you know, being in the middle of two students, like duking it out and having like issues and stuff like that, um, doing that and having that kind of training and, you know, being on the field and doing certain sports, showing someone how to do a certain step or a certain run or a certain technique. Those were the things in like, it wasn't necessarily the way I me thinking I was a teacher. I just wanted to help them because right. I'm very much a collaborator at heart. You know, we are only as good as everyone around us. And if somebody is not so good, we're all not so good. So this is just me wanting to build up the folks around me. So we're all strong and not just one. Right. And that's team sports in, in, in essence, you know, so Back in um sixth grade, my um sixth grade math teacher, Mr. McNeil, you know, he really instilled that that kind of like love for numbers and love for math and love for teaching. Like just to see him, you know, flying around numbers and like like they're rolling off the tongue because he had it like down, like wrote memory, all these numbers and percentages and things. And I was like, how does he know? How does he know so fast? How can he convert fractions, decimals and percents so fluidly? I just admired that so much. And like, I remember him telling me one time that like, 
you can you can be anything you want. If you want to do that, there, there's nothing you can't do if you didn't try hard enough, right? He didn't really like sell us a pipe dream, but he just said that like it was possible if you were willing to pay the price. And that always stuck with me, um, being a teacher. And I just feel like, you know, it was always like my gift, like my thing. And like when you have a gift, your purpose is to give it away. So me teaching people and and helping people, it's almost like helping people, but it's teaching in essence, because no one necessarily doesn't like there's not too many people that want to be taught, but they want to know the thing. So like, how do you mask yourself as like someone just, hey, I'm just here to help you out. I got you. It's all good. Right. Mm -hmm. And they walk away knowing the skill and like, you know, it's done. You've taught them. They're better for it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So when you graduated from college, um, I understand you did an AmeriCorps program. Was that right afterward or was that yeah. some years later? City year. So like, if you didn't know anything about me, like I always want to have things planned for when I get out of something. Like I get out of high school, straight to college, get out of college, straight to, you know, working at the Boys and Girls Club, doing city year. So city years, AmeriCorps program, we were all over the uh, the country. California was very different in that, you know, everybody around the country had yellow jackets or um, red jackets. But being in California, in uh, the branches in uh, L.A. and San Jose, we had yellow jackets because of the gang affiliations. Oh. So you, know, you can't wear and we're in like right. some of the LAUSD's toughest schools. So you can't just have red and be anywhere. Right. You're going to get stopped. Like I had a red Jansport backpack, you know, down in like Crenshaw. And that was a problem. Like we had to huddle around me and, you know, walk to the bus stop. He's like, you can't be out here with these kinds of colors on. I was like, this is crazy. But yeah. that was one of the better, but one of the better experiences of my life, you know, really being in the trenches inside of those schools and seeing what these folks had to go through. And it gave me a, a, a much bigger appreciation for what the school's, didn't have and what these children needed that they weren't getting. And there was a lot of strain that got put on the school system to be that child's, the, to make up the rest of the parenting stuff, to make up for what the parents didn't know or didn't experience themselves. You know, kids were coming to school hungry because the last thing they ate was lunch yesterday. No one's listening to math decimals and percents. When you're hungry, you're just trying to eat. And that was the core issue that folks wasn't really like thinking about because, of course, everyone eats when they get home. That's not everybody. Right. So there was a lot of perspective changing um, in that when I got to see what was going on, because there's there's no like lack of intelligence in those places. People are smart where they want to be. You just got to figure out how to make it matter to them. Yeah, I did teach for America and I had a similar experience. Um, granted, I was in the Mississippi Delta, so a completely different place, but similar in working in in, um, in underserved schools. And uh, yeah, it's it's really eye opening. So um, so but it can also lead to some burnout. I don't know if you felt that at the end. Did you feel kind of tired or just um, down from how difficult the circumstances around you really were? Towards the end of the first year, because I put in about, you know, thousands of hours of uh, community service because I did it two years running. And um, once I was done the second year, I did I was a team leader. I actually got core member of the year um, wow. first year. And then I was a team leader the next year. And wow. you know, so we, we had some really good accolades. So it's really, really funny that you um, 
um, mention Teach for America because, like, that's why I guess like the next stage. But I, I guess we can like table that until we get there because Teach for America was the thing that really springboarded a lot of stuff um, for me. But um, as far as like feeling the burnout, yeah, there were some days where you yeah. know you you're riding on the bus and it's a long hour ride back because public transportation was just way better than taking your own car. Um, nobody likes tickets, but um, it, just listening to the stories and feeling like, you know, what could I possibly do to really move this needle? Right. It's just me. They only see me for two, three, four hours a day and they go home. Who knows what they're dealing with when they get home? You know, what are they not telling me? Because that might incriminate their family member and they might, it might, that information might separate the entire family, those kinds of things. And so there's a lot of fear and a lot of back and forth on what I choose to let you have, what I trust to let you have, all of those things. So it's a lot of moving around and uh, just masking. So like that, mm-hmm. that, that takes a great deal of energy, not yeah. even on, just on the kids part, but um, on our part too, because we're, we're, we're taking on some of their, we're taking on their struggle. Yeah. Know, trying to tell them to, to listen and eat and, you know, do these things for yourselves and they don't even have the basics right? Together consistently. So um, it's, it's definitely stressful. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So after the two year, that two year commitment was, was concluded, what did you do next? And uh, I know and we're going to get back to how you learned to knit, which was in college. Sure. So we will return, but okay. what did you do next? Okay. So 2011 was a very, very rough year for me. Just thinking about it um, from, you know, hindsight is 2020. So I finished city year. And in that time I was applying for teach for America. So um, along with two of my college friends and fun fact, they didn't even want to be teachers. So like, I thought that was kind of weird. Like, why are you doing Teach for America? You know, you want to be teachers, but it was a a foundation thing for them to get to where they wanted to go. One's now a a lawyer and the other one, um, he went into the Air Force, appreciate the service. Um, But they went, we we, we all did it. We all like crammed in our apartment and we did all our lesson plans and things like that. You know, long story short, those two got in and I didn't. And I was the one that wanted to be a teacher. So that really, I was devastated. That's their loss for sure. Their loss for sure. I was devastated. I could not believe the one that wanted to be a teacher that really cared about the kids. I didn't get in. So I didn't get in. And um, so I was really like discouraged and depressed. That was the same year my mother passed away and, uh, you know, stage four liver cancer. So I'm pretty down in the dumps now. Pretty rough. Um, luckily, one of my college um, friends, my brother's his name's Johnny. He uh, hit me with an opportunity to go do because uh, edu- he knew I liked education because we went to college together for a couple of years before he got out. And uh, he's like, hey, why don't you come up to me uh, with me uh, to Seattle? And, uh, you know, I, I run an outdoor school out in like the sticks in Washington. And, you know, you can still teach. You're still around kids and stuff. And I was like, nothing else is in California for me. You know, my mom is gone. My brother's still there. You know, I love him. Um, I didn't get the job that I wanted after putting in all of this work to, to be in schools. And we made all this impact. And. I wanted to be a teacher and, you know, Teacher for America was like, was like the goal. It was, the, it was the thing and it didn't happen. So um, I, I sold my car. I packed up all my things. I had five pieces of luggage and a dream 
And off north to the Pacific Northwest, I went. <laughs> and, My goodness, uh, that must have been quite a different um, environment to be a teacher in, though. If you're out in like the woods teaching yes. kids in a completely, you know, just a completely different setting than where you were in LA, Absolutely. yeah. And it was it was really um, different in the way that the value system that was placed on the the family values and the behaviors in the school district, because they tied the outdoor school into the school district. So they bust kids from the cities to, um, it's called Waskowitz. So it's down in North Bend, Washington, um, in the sticks. You look it up on Google, it, it, it's in the sticks. It's like a compound that's like protected by the Civilian Cons- Conservation Corps. Mm. And, you know, it's it's a lot of acres, you know, by a river. You know, we're teaching kids, you know, all these values, you know, teamwork, honesty, integrity, being around each other when we're eating. You know, we we, we did like a five-day, five-day, four-night or um, four-day, three-night experience where they stayed overnight. I was a boys' room dorm advisor there for a mm-hmm. year. And we were teaching these kids basically how to how to be productive members of society in the woods. Yeah. You never think that you would learn these kinds of skills in the woods, but they totally apply. Um, and I did that for a full year. So it was basically like we put on skits. It was like an entire experience. So shout out to Waskowitz for that and um, giving me that opportunity. It was a great time. So I did that um, for a year and then I was in Washington. Right, right. Okay. So let's just wind back the clock briefly so we can touch sure. on how you learn how to knit because I, I see knitting coming back into your life soon in this story. So yes. you yes. were in college, you saw someone who was knitting. And what were you thinking when you saw that? I was like, how, how is this working? And like, there was no pattern. She wasn't looking at a pattern. She wasn't looking at anything on her phone, nothing, right? It's 2007. So like, there's nothing really going on when she's in class, you know, knitting. Um, and I'm in like a gender studies class or something. And I'm just enamored. I can't even listen to what the professor's saying. I'm right there. I'm like, what are you doing? How are you doing it? It was an intarsia scarf with the skull and crossbones, pink background, purple skull and crossbones. Ridiculous, right? Amazing. Um, knitting it flat on like straight needles. And I just had to know. And I almost like interrupted the whole class, but like I I, I found my composure. I didn't want to like <laughs> right. And I waited until class was over and I asked her, I was like, hey, I need you to show me how to do that. Now, perception is reality, right? I understand the way she, the way I looked at the time, like I was totally urban. We'll just say it like that. I was urban, right? Um, The Echo Unlimited shirt that was three sizes too big. Um, The matching New York Yankee fitted um, hat with the matching Air Force One lows with the baggy echo pants out. It was a great outfit, but not the type of person in that kind of outfit that would be interested in fiber arts. <laughs> so I can understand her, um, her apprehension. I mean, it was either that or like a really lame pickup line. One of the two. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Um, but she pretty much ignored me kind of it felt like I, I scared her off. But she came back to class the next time and I kept asking her over and over again and just trying to be respectful and keep my distance because I'm a guy and she's a gal and it's not going to be pretty if she feels <laughs> a certain way. So I'm thinking about all of these things, but I'm genuinely interested. I'm like, I, I just want you to show me how to do that. Like, how do you right. do that thing? You know, and after a couple of weeks, 
She was like, okay, he, he either really wants to take me out or he really wants to learn how to knit. It's one of the two, right? One of the two. And so she um she she accepts, she took, she sends me to Joanne to go buy like some needles. So like I remember like it was yesterday. They were red boy needles, straight um five millimeter US AIDS and some red hard yarn. So that's what I had. And I went to her um her dorm. She just so happens to live in an all-girls dorm. So let's play the scenario again. I'm a man, all girls dorm. I get the full on like frisk name <laughs> tag, uh time stamp. They did everything but a DNA sample for real. <laughs> so I go there, there's like like two stories up, two floors up, and we're in our like dorm room, doors wide open. There's girls flying through. I'm timing it. 90 seconds. Somebody, shoop. 90 seconds, shoop. 90 seconds, shoop. Like, somebody's watching all the time. I'm like, I just got needles in my hand. I'm like, I can't even focus. Why y'all watching me like this? This is crazy. Um, but you showed me how to cast on um, knit and pearl. Freaked out. So freaked out. Like, she didn't even, like, she just, it just couldn't, she couldn't wrap her head around, like, this was actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um and I didn't, she didn't, she, she didn't show me how to bind off. So <laughs> that's all I got. Um, but that's all I needed. I went back to my little like dorm room house thing and I was mm-hmm. in it, like just back and forth, garter stitch all the way. Didn't really understand the pearl so much, but like making scarves, I tried to make a hat and I just fell in love with that. And I was just like, this, I can do something with this. Mm. This is the art of doing something and making something, transforming string to something that can really serve a purpose for you in so life. So satisfying, yeah. It's transformative. I want to take a moment now to talk with our sponsor, Artistic Artifacts. Here is a message from Artistic Artifacts. Artistic Artifacts was created by a mixed-media fiber artist, Judy Gola. We want to challenge the fiber artists to use unconventional materials in their creative adventures. There are not many venues for artists interested in these mediums, and Judy wanted to create a learning experience for them. Registration is now open for Artistic Artifacts' second annual Creative Mind Summit, a three-day mixed-media retreat taking place April 19th through 21st at Artistic Artifacts in Alexandria, Virginia. Artistic Artifacts owner, Judy Gullah, will be joined by three of their most popular instructors, the very talented fiber and mixed media artist, Liz Kettle of Textile Evolution, Gwen LaFleur, and Libby Williamson. Most or all materials are provided for each Creative Mind Summit class with a kit fee payable to your instructor. Each full-day class description will detail what is included as well as your student supply list. In addition, lunch is provided each day. Note that for the summit classes that include machine sewing, a number of Bernina models are set up for student use. Whether you take three offerings by one instructor, experience a different teacher each day, or attend a single class, you'll be sure to have a great experience. The Artistic Artifacts Creative Mind Summit is an event worth traveling for, so treat yourself to a spring fling by registering now. Seats are limited. Alexandria, Virginia features preserved 18th and 19th century architecture in its Old Town District with acclaimed restaurants, boutiques, and a vibrant arts culture. It's one of the Condé Nast's top three best small cities in the United States. Artistic Artifacts is also located just outside Washington, D.C., 
with its exceptional lineup of museums, monuments, and more. Plan a trip with family and friends. They'll be happily occupied while you are attending the summit. Visit the Artistic Artifacts website at artisticartifacts.com and click the Workshops and Events tab to learn more about the summit and to register for your choice of these exciting creative opportunities. Thank you so much, Artistic Artifacts. And now, back to my conversation with Willie. change someone's life you can change someone's situation and unlock creativity that they didn't even know they had right, right. i saw all that in that moment and i never stopped since yeah yeah so um first of all i love the fact that you went to joanne and you <laughs> bought red heart yarn and straight needles and i i just feel like that is the beginning for so many people and i feel like those big box stores really do play an important role in the like life cycle of a crafter so that just from that but um but how did you get like you're really good at knitting now like you're oh. really good uh you you you're like a master i mean i know you're you've said before like you're you feel like you're always still learning and that's uh, i think a lifetime of learning ahead of you but you're a really good knitter so how did you go from from that beginning stage that that first lesson to becoming a really skilled knitter that you are now all right so uh let's see Let's fast forward 11, 12 years. So now it's 2019, 2018. Um, I'm still working. I'm doing things. I'm, I'm making I'm making things. I'm, I'm testing the waters, testing the boundaries, going to local yarn stores, learning about yarn, learning about fiber, learning about needles, what I can do, adapting it to my own style. What do I like? I'm exploring me. What do I like? What, what can I show? Because like my whole uh, like philosophy, if I know it, I can show it. And that's like a, like like my teacher's mantra. If I know it, I, I can love show that. It. Yeah, I'll find a way, right? I'll find mm-hmm. a way to get you to know what I know. Um, mm-hmm. If I was making hats, and um, you know, I'm in you know Columbus, Ohio now. I moved for work, and I'm you know I'm always trying to make extra money. And I was making these hats, you know, just to make them and then show them. And I'm on Facebook, you know, I was Black Sheep Crafts on Facebook uh, on Facebook for a while. Still there. I can't change my name now. But um, my wife's friend from um, somewhere in the Midwest uh, seen my hats and she said, how much? Mm. And I stopped. I said, what? Mm-hmm. You mean this is good enough for you to buy? Like you pay for this? She's like, yeah, how much? Hmm. And I don't even remember what the number was. I was so flabbergasted. I was like, this is this is crazy. So I ended up making six hats for her. Wow. So I made six hats for her and she paid for them. And I was like, well, you know, the thing is when you get paid for a service or a product, you don't just go back to where you were. That's a milestone. You've just crossed over. Right here, you can do something with this, and that was the moment for me when I when I did that in 2019, August 19th, 2019. That's when Willy Nilly Knits was born, and the vision was born, and that's where we are now. So, like, I'm almost five years deep, and um, it's been a heck of a journey, and I still want to keep doing what I'm doing and making it bigger, making it better, and just getting closer to the vision. Okay. So I think you started the way that a lot of us start, which is to say you were good at a certain thing. Somebody saw it and said, you should make this into a business. And you were like, I should. Okay. And then sold that finished good. Now, granted, 
it's hard to do that and make a profitable business. We kind of find that out the hard way where you're yeah. spending hundreds of hours making these things and only getting $30 or something like that. And it just ends up being very, I mean, it, it's possible, but it's also very, it's a difficult road. Um, so how did you sort of realize, okay, maybe selling hats isn't the way, but there is a way for me to make this into a real business. Oh, I love that question because that's exactly how I had to figure it out. When my creativity got stifled with orders, when I Mm. couldn't be creative and try to innovate and be a better person and keep exploring like before the money, that's when I knew products and hand and selling your goods and selling your wares, that is not sustainable because that's not how I started. And we're not going to beat a machine. We're just not. Um, You know, machines can make things way faster. Yes, the quality is not there. But again, with a person, we live in this super hustle, bustle, fast paced, instant gratification, Amazon Prime life. That's not feasible for all of us. And, you know, when you need a hat now, you can't wait up to two weeks. You know, you need a hat now or you want to make a sweater and like don't even go into sweaters because that's that's a dead end street. Don't even mess with it. I learned that, too. Um, But that's that's how I figured it out. But figuring out the the a way I go back to like the core, the the core of me. Right. Mm. How can I get more people to do what they want to do. And then I just started thinking, okay, let's figure out the, the, the topography, the geography of the knitting community, where we right. are and where am I, right? Now we're talking like big picture business stuff, right? We have new knitters. We have the whole spectrum of knitters. Then we have designers, right? Mm-hmm. We have people that want to sell their patterns. And then we have other people that want their patterns, but may not know how to make the thing. Mm-hmm. I just nestle myself right in the middle because I'm the middle person. So I turn one way and I'm looking at the newer and upcoming knitters right. and I'm saying, Hey, new person, I can show you how to make the things you fawn over with XYZ designer. And they're like, really? You can? That's great. How do I know that? Look at my page. I made it too, right? Because no one believes what you say. They believe what they see. They believe what they can experience. They see the lifestyle, right? So when I like, that's how you kind of win them over. And that's like a whole other thing, like, you know, marketing, all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. then I look at designers and big and big businesses and other businesses and collab people I can collaborate with. Hey, person, I can show those folks how to do the things to buy right. your thing. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, that's great. Well, how do we know you're legit? Well, just right. look at my page again, because no one believes what you say. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of proving that I have to do to show that I'm doing that. And they see the hats, they see the sweaters, and they know it doesn't take um, a quick amount of time. They know I'm not using a knitting machine. So in them just seeing it, they know I'm legit. Right. They know right then and there because visuals are everything. We take in 80 plus percent of information through our eyes, right? Why are we talking? (laughs) No talking. Right. (laughs) And just show, right? So that's where I feel like I nestle myself in there. So with Willy Nilly Knits, 
it's not a, a a business that sells products, but it's a business that works with other businesses to help meet their needs because there's money in all of that. This is an abundant place, right? Right. So right. Just good luck trying to like you know trying to figure out that pitch to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> that was tough, but um, she she was on board and she had to see a whole lot of things too and um really walk her through my strategy. Like when people pass me, new knitters pass me to the designers, a couple of coins just fall out and I pick up those coins, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the commerce part. So that's the form of the tutorials, the, right. the one-on-one sessions and things like that. So. Right, right. So you, you're you like the, you're the person who shows new knitters how to achieve their dreams and helps translate designers patterns into something that newer knitters can work with and and succeed with because not everybody's a teacher. So, um, so, and there's a lot of ways to do that. There's a lot of ways to be that teacher today, right? You can obviously teach in person and we're going to get to that too. I mean, that's one way to do it. You can travel around, you can teach locally. I mean, there's ways to do that. And then you can also teach online. So, um, you do a lot of videos, especially short videos, like these little 90 second videos, Uh, you know, it's a minute and a half and a minute and a half, you're going to learn something from me. So I guess, how did you land on that short kind of, you know, because some people make a, an hour, hour and a half long YouTube video <laughs> to show something. There's plenty of that in the knitting world as well. But how did you land on that short form and, and how did you get into video? What have you learned about video over the course of making all of these videos? Uh, I'm sure there's been a curve, a learning curve. Absolutely. And I take a lot of what I learned in teaching and being around kids and being around people because, you know, sociology, like, you know, studying people like that is a profession that will never end. There's always something to know about somebody and people's behaviors and what drives people's behaviors. So right. it's a lot of like, you know, psychological stuff and uh, behavioral stuff. Right. I'm trying to put myself in that new knitters position because I can't take my new knitters experience and use that to you know, extrapolate everything else because that time's different. Like I wanted something different. Somebody just wants to make a hat. Someone just wants to make something for their dog. That's a Mm -hmm. different, it's a different whole set of like wants and behaviors that are going to drive that. So we know that our attention spans are not great. They're not long by any means, especially when you're trying to learn something. So learning something needs to be so simple. You'd be a fool not to try. So that's how I like, that's what I built my entire thing around. I want to make it look so easy that of course you can try, right? Mm-hmm. Well, like, you know, that, that was the whole thing for me um, using the attention spans and things. So like, and, and I was on YouTube, just like everybody else. I learned mm-hmm. um, from Barry Pink Knits and um, all the other, uh, you know, knitting folks, Rock, Roxanne Richardson, you know, all the like, you know, the, the old heads, the legends, like in the, in the knitting community, right? Um, I learned from them and I'm just seeing like what they're doing and, and how they're doing it. They're getting the point across. The The subject matter is there. It's not grabbing people, though. How do you grab somebody? Like, what, what do you do to keep them there? Right. And every one of those videos, like, yeah, there are a couple of minutes, you know, here and there. And some of them have to be long. And some of them, but if I could get you to be excited about the thing that you're looking at, see the thing that you're looking at. And wonder what else you can do now that you've learned the thing in 90 seconds. Amazing. Yeah. 
I mm-hmm. got you. So like, it's not just a one thing. It's a plethora of things that's compressed and distilled. Right? Mm-hmm. You're, 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 you're distilling entertainment, education, marketing, sales, pitches, all in one. You know, and that's and that's why I was telling my wife too, like, why does it take you so long to do a 90 second video? Well, it's <laughs> that 90 seconds took an hour. OK, <laughs> it took an hour to do because all of those things have to be either written out. The concepts have to be there. Everything is just like a commercial. Right. Right. It's all strategically placed. Nothing is in a commercial by accident. Everything right. is on purpose. And the videos are the same way. It's all on purpose. If you're going to be here now, we got 90 seconds. So like. I can't really be diddling around. I got dope, right? If I'm going to be teaching the, you know, tubular cast on, I got 90 seconds. You get the 15, the 15, the 15, 30. We're done. Bye, right? Sprinkling some entertainment here and there. Yeah. Like there, and, and, and there you go. Because we don't have that kind of time. I didn't, and it all really stemmed from me not liking how I had to learn in mm. YouTube. I didn't like how I had to listen to a podcast mm-hmm. and go all the way to like 57 minutes of right. 102 minutes and right. not like a tutorial, right? Because again, it's the behaviors that drive, right? Those conditions are driving behaviors. Why are YouTube videos so long? Watch time. Why do you want watch time? Ad revenue. Right. The goals are not aligned. It's different. It's, you know, that's YouTube's yeah. business goals, right? Exactly. That's YouTube trying to make money. That's what that, that's why yeah. it's so long. And the people in YouTube are like basically conforming to that algorithm. Sure. Like they, they're there and they like, you have to make these, these videos at least eight minutes long for you in to order call. to get enough ad revenue to make it worth your while. And, and right. But, but you have to sort of decide, is that my goal? Is that what I right. want to do? Right. And that was my decision that I made. And the answer was no. Right. Mm. And I tell people all the time in my videos, I'm not going to get rich off YouTube. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to make something that's 17 minutes long for you to learn something. If my goal, if my dream, if my vision is for you to learn something, why am I not getting that to you as quick as possible? Because we're, we're talking about, you know, my, my audience is 97% women, 97. It's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> that's that girl's dorm back in the day, right? That's that girl's it's, it's yeah. right? Yeah. I got a couple of guys. It, it's all good. It's just that I'm I'm trying to think of how their life is structured around knitting and what they use knitting for. They carved out 20 minutes that they had to fight, scratch, and claw for. Kids finally went to sleep. You know, right. they're finally off work. They're finally on break. They want to do this project. Christmas is coming up. Something is sure. going on. They don't have 17 minutes to burn, right? You got 90 seconds with me, get back to what you got to do right? and, and, and work, right? And I think, I think Google has figured that out because if you notice now, and I, I mean, we all learn so many things off of YouTube. I learn things on YouTube all the time, but I'll be like, you know, how do I, you know, hand bind this quilt or whatever? I'll Google that. The YouTube video that comes up is there, but you know, now Google's been like, okay, you need to go to minute 32 and they've already selected that little clip for you. Minute 32 to minute 34, that's where the answer to your specific question is located. So what I do is, you know, I'm sure we all do this, right? You click over, you watch minute 32 to minute 34. Oh yeah. I remember the stitch now done. Turn it off. Right. Like, and it's almost like YouTube. I mean, you know, we, we can watch the whole thing for entertainment, but They've Google's figured out like you just actually want the answer to your question and and it's right here. 
There you go. And I'm the same way. And I and I I didn't have to figure that out, you know, through like SEO or like a think tank. Right. Just be being in the trenches, shoulder to shoulder. Sure. Right. And being in like forums and, and, and chat messages and comment sections talking about like these these videos, you know, like nobody likes to watch a tutorial that's masked as a podcast. Right. You just want it. Yeah, you want it. So and the other thing I think is is really brilliant about what you do. And I think it's part of your personality, really, is there's as you mentioned earlier, there's like an entertainment factor as well. So it's not just like you straight up coming in being like, look, here's what you need to do. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Goodbye. You also capture the attention and keep the attention of the audience through uh, sort of being naturally good at entertaining people. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on on that, like your enthusiasm, your humor, um, just the, the that ability to sort of keep people's attention through entertainment at the same time while teaching. It was the same thing that I did when I was a teacher. Like, let's 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 make sure that we're like plopping ourselves. Let's like do like the Google thing, like pick ourselves up and just like drop ourselves in in Watts, in LAUSD's toughest schools, where you have to have some kind of likability about you for people to even care what you're saying. People don't care what you know until you until they know that you care. You have That's to figure. Great. They have to figure out that you care about them and you're not trying to like churn them through and use them and, you know, throw them away like other bits of the system has. Right. So there's a lot of proving, just like I was saying, like with the new knitters and the designers or like the big businesses and things like Mm -hmm. that, like that has to be there. So when I'm talking about fractions, decimals and percents, that's dry on its face. But the application is what people care about so much, especially kids. My own son. He is, he loves the concept of money and buying things and mm. selling things so he can get what he wants. And that's what I want to teach my kid because that's what I was teaching kids for so many years. This has real world application, sure. you know, and that's what I saw a lot of teachers not being able to do and just really mm. going through the motions. And that's where like, you know, I had my opportunities. I was a tutor. Why am I not understanding this? Well, why is this not? geared in a way that that that's 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 making it making it like real for you you need real right. world applications. you need to have this applied for you so mm-hmm. me doing that in in yarn and on instagram it's 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 a muscle that i've always been flexing i know this this concept it's just a different scenario you know because right. it's all math right gauge sizing negative ease positive ease. Yeah. it's all math it's lovely yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So I know you started on Instagram and really built, I mean, you have a huge following on Instagram. It's incredibly impressive. I think I looked last night and it was 161,000 followers on Instagram or some ridiculous number like that, which is amazing. I even really. look so, at it. That's, that's big. It's, it's that's growing. big. So, so was there like a turning point for you when you felt like, okay, you know, that was a significant thing that just happened and this is real now. Was it, can you identify a turning point for you in this, Absolutely. In this business? Absolutely. I identify all the turning points. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're so real in my yeah. life. And um, I always make sure I remember them because, um, as you say, like, you know, being an entertainer, like, I would love to be on a talk show. I would love to be on TV. Um, it is it is, it is, is awesome. Um, mm. I love an audience. That's just who mm. I am. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the turning point was at that point was when I got like, you know, the hundred something thousand followers, um, like what I was doing different. And I remember the actual day. Um, it was <laughs> December 22nd, 2022. I remember the day like wow. where 
I went from like 5,000 followers because I went from like, I only had like 4,000, 5,000 followers for like three years. I went from zero to like 5,000 to be three years. Yeah. Ridiculous. And then that happened. I don't know who saw something, who shared something, but it caught fire. It was my double knitting video. Yeah, I've watched it. Yeah. And it, <laughs> and it caught fire. And it, it was just like 5,000, 10,000, 12,000. Wow. So it just went viral, literally viral. It just went up. And like um, people that like, you know, I was hanging with, making friends with in the fiber community. They're like, Willie, did you know you're at 45,000? <laughs> I'm not wow. making videos. Like I'm not watching it, you know, like, cause to me that number, it didn't, it wasn't like it was insignificant, but I didn't look at that number as a bearing on like who I was, what I was worth or anything like that. I just saw it as, okay, they finally see somebody that's giving them something that's useful. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Took you long enough. It's very cool. possible that you explained it in this way. I mean, that's what I would say. That was entertaining, but also like really easy to understand. And it's a complicated concept that is hard to understand. You're right. You know, and um, just using words and in, in, in concepts that people like, like really like already relate to, readily relate to, you know, right. like may not like know what like over the yarn, yarn over this part of the needle from front to back. But like, if you see it and I just go whoop and then like another one is like, wop, just like I was doing like the tubular cast on or like Judy's magic cast on just doing whoops and wops. They, people get that, yeah. you know, and that's all that matters. Like we can always go back to the actual terms, but the core of it, the crux of it, do you get it? Are you able to do it now? If the answer is yes, then we win. There's nothing else to talk about. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 You take away kind of the snobbery or that barrier to entry where you're like, if you don't know the insider vocabulary, then you can't participate. Sure. Sure. And um, there's very, very much of that, that, that kind of stuff out there. And I'll say it like this, like, it's not, and it is kind of snobbery because like people like gatekeep if you can't really speak the language. Right. But there's there's translators, right? So like, what, what is it? What yeah, really and a translator. I mean, that's part of what a teacher is, is a translator. Yeah, exactly. You know, like if you don't know how to, you know, really decipher like, you know, a percent difference in in something when you're talking about money or business or something like that, some people may not need, may, may not want to hear it like that. They want they may they may need a scenario and they're saying, okay, I bought this for this, I paid this much money, but I sold it for this and it took me this long. And I say my my time is worth X amount of money per hour. I lost money. And if you can get them to realize that, you win. Right. And that's what teachers' jobs, I feel like duties should be. Right. Like I don't care about like the terminology so much. It has its place. Right. But if you don't know what you're doing, the words still don't matter. <laughs> right. A hundred percent. Still don't matter. You know, like they only matter when we say they matter, when I can attach meaning to them. 100%, and that's, the same, yeah. that's the same thing with knitting. Right. I don't care what a tubular cast on is until I understand I want this kind of toe or I want this kind of edge. I don't want the boxy trapezoidal edge. I want the round edge that actually looks like a sock. I want it to be aesthetic. Okay, well, you need to know this. Right. See this. And then you're I'm motivated. Thinking. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 So um, you have this tagline that you have mm-hmm. on a lot of your merch. So I wondered if you could talk about that tagline, how you chose it, what it means to you. Perfect. So we out here. 
um, let them know we out here, right? Um, it's a message of inclusion. And it's a message of people being in a place where we take care of each other and we want other folks around us to know that we are here, not for political reasons or any other kind of like dividing kind of reasons. We are here because we are united and humans need humans, Hmm. humans. And um, it sounds a whole lot better than me out here. (laughs) Right. We out here is a lot better. We invites, we involves, and we does not, we by definition of what it is, it cannot exclude in the context of my vision, right? Like, oh yeah, like based on my vision, like we does not mean you. It definitely means you. If you want to make what you want, it definitely means you. And that we can look like anything. So it's really like my, the vision and like the, we out here, it's so pure. It can't be really tainted. If you keep it within the context of my vision. So like, that's why I chose it. Yeah. I love it. It's a great tagline. Um, and you, I, I did reference this earlier that you have, um, gotten invited to do some teaching. So I know you're going to be teaching uh, at an upcoming important show. So I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about that. And if you know what you're teaching yet, um, share that as well so people can get excited. Let's go for sure. Get excited. Come join the class. It'd be awesome. (laughs) Um, So down in DFW um, in September, I'm going to be teaching there. I I have a few classes that are on the books. They are kind of subject to change, but I don't think I'm going to change them. So I have one class that's about knitting jargon, right? We were just talking about that. Right. Right knowing what these things mean because you can't do the designer stuff if you can't read the pattern right like i can't paraphrase the entire pattern like the things that are in there need to be in there for a reason um but you gotta be able to read it right it's just like reading like ancient text you gotta right know. it is but <laughs> somebody is brand new and looks at a knitting pattern it feels that way it's like what yeah. let's see if they're looking at a chart Right? Yeah, they don't usually look at the difficulty. They just look at the finished problem. Like, oh, that's pretty. Let's try it. Oh, right. uh, <laughs> what is this? All these squigglies. Um, so that's one of them. Another one is an Aaron sweater sleeve, um, because you know everybody loves the coveted Aaron sweater, and most patterns are charted because they have to be. Can you imagine putting on? It'd be a book. If you use all words, mm-hmm. it'd be a book. Even if you use like this letters, K-A-P, K-Utah, da, 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 it'd be a book, right? But if you have a chart, you just have this grid, da, 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 you're good. And taking people through that, mm-hmm. and usually it, it worked flat because they're so structural, um, especially like Aaron's words, like the one I made, like you have to make it flat. So you start the cuff, um, increase, and start your pattern. Mm-hmm. So like taking people through that, like through that whole journey shows them like you're literally making fabric. Right. This is so cool. This, and then you stop, and then you're gonna make this. Here's why we need to change the bigger needles. Here's why we need to have this. Um, you know, why we need to increase so much because it needs to fit all those stitches in there. Um, that's the other one. And then um the other one is probably gonna be um the upcoming pattern that I'm gonna be launching is a slipper pattern. So oh. um all of the pat and all of the classes that I'm teaching. They all have elements in them that you gain the skills to go out and transfer them into other things. That's always the point. Every Ravelry pattern that I have, 
That's the point. I'm not going to get rich off pattern sales because I'm not a designer, right? But the best way to get people to understand is teach. And I teach through the pattern. So even like I learned how to do these two skills and now I have a hat to show for it. That's great, mm-hmm. right? You want to have those kinds of things. So those are the things that I'm teaching there. And um, I hope the listeners, somebody comes in and joins and, you know, you, you get closer to making what you want in 2024. Absolutely. So that's TFW FiberFest. If you want to sign up, um, keep your keep your eye out for those classes. And I'd love to get to your recommendations, Willie. So you wanted to recommend three things. One is the mini minder. So what is this? Yes, the mini minder. So we have a lot of whips in our lives, all of us, right? Yep. Some of those whips aren't portable. Because of obvious reasons, maybe it's too much yarn, maybe the yarn is not um, wound right, or, you know, you don't want to get it all dusty because it's cashmere and it collects dust like a magnet and it's expensive. The mini minder is a solution for you that you can take your knitting on the go. So um, it's made by Lemonwood and Lemonwood Love. They're going to be in Vogue Knitting Live uh, soon, whenever it pops on. And um, it's a family company, and it's basically a platform made from two pieces of wood right. at the mm-hmm. machine. And um, you can pretty much stick your yarn cake on there. It mm-hmm. opens up from the from the outside, so it's not a center pull, and it spins. So, like the high quality hardware that they choose, they pick, they put all the stuff together by hand, and all that they pack everything by hand. And um, that that whole solution there, it's, it's a leather strap, and you can just walk and knit or crochet. Right. You do, you can walk and do that on the go. I met them at DFW um last year, and it was such a like a suit, like you know, good business at first sight, love at first sight, if you will. Mm-hmm. Right. As soon as we left DFW, we made all of the, the connections, and you know, she was already making uh Veronica, she was already making mini minders like with my logo on them. I got them on my website yeah. right now. And, um, you know, we just struck up this relationship. So, like, I, I promote her products. She send me products. I promote them. It's just such a great relationship. And I only really promote products that I feel and believe my audience will will want. And it, it lines up and it still aligns with my vision. And the Mini Minor does just that because now you can – you're going to have less whips because you can take your whips in more places with you. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, and then you also wanted to recommend the Delacue notebook. Yes. Right. Organization is everything. Organization is everything. We lose a lot of needles. We lose a lot of stuff. We lose a lot of cables. We lose a lot of crochet hooks. We lose all these things. But to have all of them in one discreet little place mm. helps us. We can like, oh, where's that? Oh, notebook. Snap, snap. Open it up. Got your um, different pages. You can like I have a video on my on my Instagram on how I organize mine. You open up the first page, you see all my double points. You know, um, it's such a uh, great little. It, it's aesthetically uh, looking good. The next page is another place where you can like store stuff. It's got a lot a lot of little elastic places, like a little pencil holder type mm. stuff everywhere. You know, a place for your super sharp scissors, a place for your tape measure. A place for all of the little notions with zippers and stuff made with high quality leather, you know, rustic looking buttons, zippers. It's great. Um, I love it. I love how um, organized everything is. And like you want to put your things back. Right. When you, It's like a master craftsman or like a carpenter. Right. When they're putting their tools away, the hammer comes back down. Mm-hmm. The tool belt comes off. It goes right there, right where I need it. And everything is in its place. And it's going to replace a lot of things. So very useful tool. Again, mm-hmm. portable. Take it with you. 
You don't have to be walking around janging and clanging and banging around with all your double points and, you know, clinging and sound like wind chimes when you're walking. Not okay. Um, it's 2024. Um, and it's, it's it's just better for people. And it just looks nice, right? It's canvas. Yeah. Man, can't lose. Is it, It's good to invest in beautiful tools that you enjoy touching and using. Um, it just, it really enhances the experience of crafting. So I, I definitely agree with you. And then the last one you wanted to recommend is Instagram in general. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you think about Instagram. I think about Instagram as a virtual place where community can really happen and you can find your tribe, right? Like, cause like even in a bigger tribe, like America, we have our own little, small little cliques and tribes and everything. We're just built like that. We just do that. Right. Even in like a compound, there's always going to be like these little, little globs of people that like really click together and you'll find your, your way there. Cause I found my way there. Like, you know, in my little corner of the internet there in, of Instagram, you know, I have, you know, a group of folks that I really, you know, rock with and Mm -hmm. um, I've been rocking with them for years and they know I haven't changed. And I told them, you know, if I was to ever, make it big. You guys, your job is to make sure that I never forget (laughs) where I came from. Okay. Because I'm human and I know my kind of tendencies and temptation is real, um, in all forms. And you're going to need that outside source of, of, of influence to really help you stay on the straight and narrow. No one really got to the top by themselves. Right. There's a reason for that. Right. Right. (laughs) So me understanding this, I've taken deliberate steps to to pick the people that I rock with business wise um, and and people wise very seriously because um, these temptations affect us all. And I recommend Instagram because I want I want people to be able to see what's out there and what you can get from it. There's a it's a big resource. You just can't get sucked into like the doom scroll, especially like. We're talking about like the knitting community and yeah. the knitting is really easy to get sucked up into politics or sucked mm-hmm. up into sucked up into that. And it becomes less and less about yarn. It becomes less and less about me making this for this kid or making this hat for like some newborn preemie in the hospital or something like that. Like the meaning of why we do what we do can easily get diminished. So being around people that help enhance and foster nurture that. Yeah find those people there um that's where i found them you can find them in all kinds of places but um the internet is a real thing and you can reach a lot more people a lot faster right right that is so true well willie thank you so much for taking the time to be on the craft industry alliance podcast and sharing your story with us it was great thank you so much for the opportunity it was a pleasure and you've been listening to the craft industry alliance podcast i'm abby glassenberg Today's episode was brought to you by Artistic Artifacts. Artistic Artifacts specializes in creative finds for creative minds. Shop a wide variety of fabrics, Bernina sewing machines, and products, plus the tools and techniques to enjoy a full range of fiber arts and mixed media. Visit Artistic Artifacts in Alexandria, Virginia, or shop securely online at artisticartifacts.com. Thank you so much, Artistic Artifacts. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals. When you become a member of Craft Industry Alliance, you get in-depth coverage of craft industry news, the opportunity to connect with fellow professionals for advice and support, 
and access to an educational library filled with ideas, tools, and resources to help you as you build your business. Join us at craftindustryalliance.org. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.